Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. So there's no, there's no point in looking at the, the dictionary definition of uh, our cultural definition of joy. We have to look at the scriptural definition of joy and understand what it really is and the, the summary of that. And it's the second line there in your notes. It's this. It's delight and gladness in God. That is what true joy really is. And so we were last week in John chapter 14 at the end of it. Um, in John fa- chapter 15 is where we're going to be this week as we wrap up the message. We're going to read these, uh, the first part of the scripture here, verses 1 through 11. So if you've got a Bible or your app or you've got the notes, um, they're available for, the, for you there. If you don't have any of those, just listen. So verse 1. I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." Whoever abides in me and I am in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. For my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you, ab- you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that your joy, um, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So what we're going to do is it's going to be the basis for three things that we quickly look at here tonight um, for reasons that we should choose joy. Okay. So number one, if you're taking notes there in your, um, on your paper, is this. The first reason we should choose joy is because God takes things away. <clears throat> we should choose joy because God takes things away. Now this can seem kind of counterintuitive. Like, what do you mean I should, be, I should delight and be glad when God takes things away? Yes. We're not infants, right? We're not the, 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 the kids that are in the house here for, for children's church here tonight. We're not, you know, give me my toy and I take it away and we're like... Mm-hmm what's going on you know what I mean you took it away it's negative and because that's such a negative thing when we're young it carries over to when we're old if I take something from you or God removes something from us it's a negative thing but I'm here to tell you it's not let's look at verses one through uh, one through three really quick again Jesus says I'm the true vine and the father is the vine dresser every branch in me that he do, that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes he takes something away so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So here, Jesus is telling all of us as Christ followers, he is the vine. We are the branches, and God is the vine dresser, or it's a fancy biblical way to say gardener. So in this reference to, uh, it's something that we have to kind of dive in and, and look to try to understand a little bit more than normal because in that culture, they were all agriculture based. They didn't go to the, 
produce department to get their produce. They went to the leaves and to the ground and to the trees to get all the things that they needed. There weren't prepackaged hamburger helper boxes on the pan in the pantry. They had to go and find the cow and kill it and grind the beef and then make it. You understand what I'm saying? So they were, they were in an agriculture-based culture, which we are not here today. So everybody that he's talking to knows full well what he's talking about, and he's making reference to a vineyard that it would eventually produce wine. One of the things that um, you'll find is that a, a person who makes a wine, the wine dresser, the gardener, he, the very first thing he does is pick his fertile soil. He's very, very picky about the, the temperature, about the climate, about the location, about the, the condition of the soil, about how much it rains, about how much sun it is, about how much shade it is. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of um, specific details that are built into when the vine dresser, when the winemaker, when the gardener starts growing his grapes. So when the, when the, the, the vine takes root and matures... It begins to have branches, and this is where the gardener steps in. And the next line in your notes there is, um, most gardeners, this is very interesting, do not allow more than 12 grape clusters to grow on a single vine, even if there's nothing wrong with the grapes being removed. He will not allow more than uh, uh, 12 grape clusters to grow. These grapes do not grow individually on the vine. They grow in packs and in clusters. And if there are more than 12, he will take his pruning shears and cut them off, even though there's nothing wrong with them. He took something off of the vine that was fine and appears to be good but the reason he does that is so the nutrients are condensed in the remaining grape clusters to produce the grape the best juice what's in him can what's coming out of the vine what's going into the branch is not going to be spread too thin the vine dresser the gardener is not going to allow that so that what does grow what is produced the fruit of that vine is the best that can be produced. Even though you are capable of potentially doing more than where you are, there's a possibility that God won't allow it because he wants you to focus on what's already growing in you. There were a lot of things in ministry that I wanted to go do that when I got into them, I was like, man, I'm good at this. I can go do these. And one of them was school assemblies. I love going to do school assemblies. We'd break bricks with our forehead. We were dumb. And then we would break bats over our legs because I got guns. Um, no, I don't. I have like twigs. But um, um, and we would, you know, rip phone books and stuff like that and try to be positive and encourage all these people. And I loved it to death and I wanted so bad to go do it. And I felt the Holy Spirit go, nope. Why? That's not where I want you. But God, I can do this. Yes, you can. But that's not where I want you. So he prunes that away to allow what he wants to grow to be rich. See, that word pruning is actually purging in an older translation of the Bible. It means to clean, to clean the filth, which Jesus did, us when, did for us when we, when we um, asked him to come into our life. He forgave our sins. And we, we became believers in him. The second thing, the, the second definition of that word is to prune trees and vines from useless shoots. I had no idea that what I wanted to go do with the school assembly would eventually be useless to me. But his foresight 
knew that that needed to drop. Here's what this means. There are times where God, the master gardener, will remove things from our life that appear to be good. I'm going to let that sit with you just for a second. There are times where God, the master gardener, will remove things from our life that appear to be good. But here's what I'm here to tell you. The good news is this. Anything he prunes away from us would actually take away from his purpose fully developing in your life. So instead of crying that the thing went away and that he took it away, we need to rejoice that he's doing the best thing for us. This is where faith and trust in our God come into a major play. If we're going to be true disciples of Christ, he is going to remove things from us. He, it's not might. It's not maybe. It's not if he choose, sees fit. No, he is going to remove something from us because none of us are perfect. I'll tell you a quick little story about God, how, how he did this really to my entire family and to some of our, our extended family. And uh, I moved here in 95 from Florida. East side, don't shoot me. Um, just kidding. It's a joke. I just got back from California, so I'm kind of all, yeah. <laughs> the only hood I knew was the, what's on top of the car, all right? So I didn't. So if you didn't get that, ask your wife to explain it to you on the way home. Um, but we, uh, I lived, moved here in 95, came to a ministry school, and we were here for 13 years. Uh, Nina and I got married in 99, and, um, and, and in 2008, we packed up with a bunch of people, 72 people to be exact, 72 people packed up and moved from Phoenix, Arizona to Dallas, Texas to go help a friend of ours plant a church. We were stoked. These people that we were going to go do this with, we, they were um, some of our best friends. We loved these guys, still love them to this day. When we see them, it's like the relationship never stopped. You know, those kind of relationships. We wanted to do life together. We wanted to be together forever and just build this whole big old thing. But the further we got down the road, the worse things got. It's kind of a crazy thing, right? Like you're going to go plant a church, going to go do something good. You're going to go, you know, teach people the gospel and reach out to people. And it was a literal train wreck. It was the worst thing I've ever been, uh, worst thing we've ever done. It was painful to watch one by one people that I that were close, like friends, like family, like deep, like I would do anything for, would look walk into a room and say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on." Wait a minute, we came here to do this together. I know, but I have to move on. And one by one, people began to spread out throughout the DFW area. Some people moved back here. Some people went on to other jobs, other locations, other careers. And eventually it got down to where it was not many people left except me and Nina. And then the Lord said, it's time for you to go. I'm like, you know how much time I've given to this? Like everything I've done for three and a half years, plus the 13 leading up to this, all the relationship building, all the things that we built, you know how torturous that is to walk into that and then all of a sudden go, um, yeah, this is not going to work and the Lord's leading me back out of it. It was unbearably painful. God directed us to come back here to Phoenix and when we came here, he said, don't go back to Phoenix, follow me there. Don't go back and try to redo something you did before. Go do something new because I'm going to do something new in you. 
when we got here in 2000, we got back here in 2011, I would sit in my room, my bedroom in the little apartment that we were living in, and I would weep in pain. Why did this happen? I'd play the what if game. I know none of you guys do that, but just, just you know, bear with me for a second. I'd play the what if game. And if I'd only found this building earlier, if I'd only made this connection sooner, had I only done this thing in, in, a, in a shorter period of time instead of a longer period of time, it would have worked out. And I what if to myself to death. And all of these things began to wither away. And one of the things that I wasn't expecting is that sometimes what has to be pruned away from us is our dream. I grew up in a, in a ministry environment who was like, go after your dream, chase your dream. Where there's no dream, the, you know, the people perish. Go, go, it's your dream. Hold on to your dream for five years, it'll come to pass. And all these other nifty sayings that I couldn't find in the Bible, but who cares about that? We just ran, right? Go after your dream, go do your dream, right? And I'd go after my dream, and then what happened was the dream wasn't God's dream. I had to watch as God, what, what God pruned away from me was my dream. No one told me he was going to do that. No one told me he was going to take his shears and clip the thing that I had built everything in my life to that point for. No one told me that. No one told me that I was going to watch that cluster of grapes fall to the ground and go, what are you doing, God? This is what I've been putting all my time into. And he goes, yes, it appears good to you, but to me, it's opposite of where I want to go. So even though it causes you a moment of temporary pain, I'm going to snip that off because I see beyond where you are right now and what you want right now. Our affections change. Our, our appetites change. The closer we get to the Lord, our attitudes begin to change. All of this changes and he knows what changes are coming down the pipe for you. So if he takes something off the vine, don't fight him. Don't fight him. He pulled out the old pruning shears and clipped off my dream right in front of me. And then he kept pruning and he pruned away some things I didn't even know her there. It's painful but profitable when God prunes us of old mindsets. It's painful but profitable when God prunes us of bad teaching. It's painful but profitable when God prunes us of our incorrect understandings. It's painful but profitable when God prunes us of secret selfishness. That one was a hard one for me because I was in ministry. I was doing the stuff, but secretly I wanted something more than I wanted to give. And God exposed that when he pulled the branch into the light and I was embarrassed and he said, don't worry, I'm going to clip that one off from you. Thank God he protects us from ourselves. We ask for protection for everything else. Don't let me die in the plane crash coming back here this morning, you know, from California. Don't let me, don't let me get in a wreck. Don't let me fall off my motorcycle. Don't let me get hit by a truck. Don't let me have a heart attack. But the, one of the things that we have to be protected the most is from our self. I choose joy every time I think about the Lord. 
and everything that he took away. Because on the other end of it, I understand and trust that he knows more than me. Understatement of the lifetime, right? He sees and knows more. So when he takes something away, it's for our good. Do I have scars? Yep. Regrets? Several. Have I cried miserably? More times I can count. But at the moment of that pruning, I hated it. But being this far down the road, I look back and go, thank you, God. So at any point in time, this from here going forward, when he takes something away, it may sting for a moment, but I choose joy because I know that he's doing something for me that I can't see. He's clipping off the nonsense so that what he wants to grow in me is full and rich. Not so I can look good or have a whole bunch of grapes on the cluster, a lot of producing stuff from my life, but so I can fulfill what he wants over what I want. He replaces that. I'm going to encourage you to choose joy even when God takes stuff away. Number two. We should choose joy because we're connected to the vine. We should choose joy because we're connected to the vine. Verses 4 and 5 of that passage we read, Jesus is telling his disciples, Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branch. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. <clears throat> um, when we first moved into this house, and Selu came over and you know kind of helped us organize what we're going to do back here in this backyard, um, this big old tree right here was brown. And we're like, man, we got to get rid of it. He's like, hold up, hold up, stop. You want to chop stuff down? Just ease up for a second. He's like, have you watered it? And I was like, <laughs> No. And he goes, bro, just run the hose on it for, for like 20 minutes and then come back tomorrow. And I was like, oh. after I did it, it was green. I was like, this is amazing. And one of the things that when it was brown, I'd go over to it and be like, man, this branch is poking me in the head. And so I'd yank it off. You know what I mean? And if I were to yank one of those branches off now and, and show it to you, all of the leaves would immediately begin dying. And anything that produced from that branch would begin to wither away. Why? Because it's no longer connected to the tree. This is the illustration that Christ is giving us as his disciples and followers saying, if you're going to snap away from me, if you're going to not abide with me, if you're going to separate from me, then the nutrients that are in the tree, the water that feeds these branches that produce the leaves, that produce the flowers, that produce the fruit is no longer going to flow through you. Don't separate from me. Stay connected. That word abide, or the goodness of the vine, can only be realized in the branch if it stays connected. 
the branch gets its nutrients to produce leaves and fruit from the vine. Likewise, we cannot produce good fruit on our own because the goodness of the vine or Jesus would no longer be in us. When we separate from Christ, we are essentially that dead branch that will eventually die and be gathered up and disposed of in the fire. I think you follow me on the illustration I'm trying to get to that if we want the goodness of God, His Spirit, to continue to flow through us, we need to stay connected to Him. Now, I don't know who this is for, because it seems kind of off the beaten path for me a a little bit, but the Lord dropped this on me, so I'm going to be obedient and tell you this. Staying connected to God has nothing to do with us liking the other branches. I'm just going to read it one more time. (laughs) Staying connected to God has nothing to do with us liking the other branches. That branch is longer than me and has more leaves. And if I can't have that, I'm out. That one over there is shorter than me. As long as he stays shorter and produces less, then I'm good because I feel superior here. Then I'll be good as long as I have this elevation this separation, this dominance. I see that one over there, and that dude, every time the wind blows, that branch is just flying and back and forth, and I'm over here on the side not getting any wind. I'm not moving no much, and that irritates me the way that dude moves. <laughs> like the flag wavers I had when I was a kid growing up. But <clears throat> There are some people who disconnect from the vine and walk around and still try to convince you they're connected. They say stuff to you. I'm down with Jesus. I know His Word. I gave my life to the Lord. But after a while, you'll see that a branch that is separated from the vine and claims to be attached will over time stop producing fruit. See, people who choose their own route easily descend into anger, hatred, sorrow, despair, and defeat because they are not yet or no longer connected to the vine. If we're going to separate from the vine, if we're going to be branches that break off and separate from the vine, then we can expect the opposite of what was producing in us, which once was producing in us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, to die off, and then the fruit of death will be seen in us. Wait a minute. Even if I don't like the other branch, I need to stay connected? Yes, Why? Because what that branch produces has nothing to do with the goodness of God that should be flowing through you. I don't like the other branch. Who cares? Stay connected to the vine. Man, the guy that helped graft me into the vine. The guy who came and gave me the instructions over here to to save the tree. What if that guy walks away? Who cares? Stay connected to the vine. Do you want to keep producing the fruit? 
the leaves, the flowers, everything that, that, is, that is brought up from the soil, the nutrients. You want the Spirit of God to still be active inside of you? Bump what the other branches does. Forget them. You stay connected. And if somebody walks away, encourage them to come back. Why? The good news is Jesus is willing to restore any man or woman who wants to be grafted back into the vine. And that, my friends, is an absolute miracle. Because if I snapped that branch off right now and went, oh man, I didn't want to get rid of that one, and went back there and tried to put it back together, it's going to stay broken. But the God who is the vine, the living vine, the living word, he can graft you back in. We have a culture, especially in the church, who wants to chase miracles. Fine. But the greatest miracle is when a dead soul becomes alive when it meets the vine. Are we surprised when a mechanic can fix a car? No. Why? Because he knows how it's built. He knows how to fix it. God made you. But we look at healing and go, oh my gosh, he healed me. He made you. <laughs> yes, you can't fix yourself. And it is a, a moment of celebration when healing happens. Dave is sitting in the house right now. He's, God's working in his life. We've had people who've been in the hospital in the last two weeks that we prayed for and that God is healing. And we are rejoicing over that. I'm not discounting that, but we need to reprioritize the miracle. The miracle is when a soul that is lost meets its maker and gets grafted back into the vine and moves from death to life. That's the miracle. <clears throat> There's a guy in Texas, he's a pastor um, that we met, ran into, and um, he's one of the bright spots of our time there, because there weren't many, but, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but <laughs> everybody's laughing who went to Texas, they're like, oh, it's painful to remember. Um, well, we met a pastor, and his story perfectly gives a perfect example about what this is, right? He was a guy who, before he got saved, was wildly immoral. Wildly immoral. He was very angry. He would fight you at the drop of a hat. If you merely were in, in the house and kind of bumped shoulders with him, he would just jump on you and start pounding you because you're not going to disrespect me. Dude was in all kinds of illicit sexual relationships. He was hooked on pornography so much where he could watch it. And it felt like he didn't, it couldn't even do anything for him because he was so, his, his, whole, his soul was so calloused and hardened. He was so desensitized to it. The moment he met Christ, he wasn't at home. He had an experience somewhere where we sat for an hour and the light kicked on and everything that he had heard about, about God in the past came to light and it all lined up for him and he went, oh my God, if you are real, I need you to show me right now. And he had an experience with Christ at that moment that changed his life and he became a believer at that moment. He then got up and went back home to where all his boys, all his guys were sitting there in his, in his home, and they're watching some of these movies 
with uh, just blatant nudity. And he walks in, having seen this movie multiple times and hundreds and thousands of images like this over the course of his life because he wasn't serving the Lord. He walked in and when he looked at the television, he saw that image and all of a sudden, for the first time ever in his life, he went, oh my gosh. He couldn't even look at it. And he stopped and went, what is the matter with me? I have seen things like this my whole life, but now, all of a sudden, it, it, it causes me shame? Like, I don't want to expose that? Because at the moment he interacted with Christ and was grafted back into the vine, his innocence began to return. A guy, he was standing there going, what is going on in me? This is kind of strange. And a guy walked by him and bumped into him. And the guy goes, man, I'm sorry. He's like, no problem. And, and he, he stood there for a few seconds and then realized everybody in the room was looking at him. And he said, w- w- what's going on? I'm like, he just bumped into you. This would be a, full ed- a full-fledged, full-on fight from this point in time. People would be fisticuffs. They would be banging on each other. You'd be holes in the wall, throwing people around. And you just said, it's okay? Dude, what's the matter with you? I've known you your whole life, and this has been how you have acted. But because he got connected to the vine, and God flipped him and transformed him, the Spirit of God came into him and he begins to immediately change. I don't care how far you think you or someone that you know has wandered away from the gospel, the miracle and power of God can always graft them back in. What are they doing to themselves? They're hurting themselves, but the God who restores can restore them. They're so calloused, I don't even know if they'll ever listen to me. But when they come in contact with the truth of the gospel, everything can change in a moment. This means that the goodness of God should begin to flow out of us naturally the longer we're connected to Him. The goodness of of God should begin to flow out of us naturally the longer we remain connected to Him. This also means that when you're sleeping, the God who never sleeps is still working inside of you. What does that look like, Matt? Um, Bro, you went through hell last night. How in the world did you wake up this morning in such a good mood? I'm connected to the vine. You got some devastating news yesterday, ma'am. How can you have such peace? I'm connected to the vine. Your life has had some of the craziest turns I've ever seen, but you sit here talking about the goodness of God. What is the matter with you? Nothing. I'm connected to the vine. One of the reasons we should continually choose joy is because we are connected to the vine who is Jesus Christ. We choose joy when He takes things away. We choose joy because we're connected to the vine. 
And last but not least, we choose joy because we abide in Christ. The last portion of that scripture, verse 7 through 10, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His. I don't know about you, but I feel like I just got kicked in the face a bunch by the word abide. Abide, 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 abide. I got you, got you, got you. So the biblical definition of that word abide is to remain and not depart. Don't leave. To be held continually. continually. To remain as one and not become another or something different. So when he says abide in me, he's saying remain, don't leave. Remain as one with me. Stick it out with me. Don't change into something different even though something may have got hard or something got pruned away or some other branch is mouthing off. No. Stick to him. Abide with him. This one is simple. We got to stick it out with Jesus. When we obey his commandments, we abide in him and his love. If we step out of following his word, we're going to find out just how much goodness leaves us. Try separating from the life source, the giver of all life. Try stepping away from Him, out of relationship with Him, and you're going to find out just how quickly all those good things dry up. We step out of following His Word, we're going to find out just how much leaves us. But when we produce fruit, His words His disciples were, it is proof that you're his disciple. People talk a big game, right? They can talk all they want about, they know everything about Christianity. They read that book, that ancient fable book Bible that you guys have. I know all about it. They can give money to charities all they want. They can, they can talk about how much they know about Jesus and how much they know about Christ. But talk is cheap. If you've ever heard a politician say one word, you know that's true. (laughs) But we're not supposed to simply listen to what someone says. We're supposed to be evaluating their fruit. We're not just supposed to be listening to the words. Somebody go, oh yeah, bro, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. We're supposed to be looking at them and go, okay, let's see where the fruit is. And before... We look at other people and be like, man, I'm a fruit inspector. I'm going to find out where your fruit is. <laughs> Before we do that, that same thing has to be true of you. Yes. That dude's not bearing any fruit. Stop, are you? All these guys running around here say nothing, but I don't see no fruit of their life. Great. Let them go run around as dead sticks. They're connected to death. Are you connected to the vine? 
Have you remained with Him? Do you abide with Him? Are you allowing to prune off the garbage from your life? Are you staying connected? Are you remaining as one and not changing into something different? We love it when we go, get him, God, when we know that dude over there needs that, but we fail to look in the mirror and go, before I remove the speck from my brother's eye, help me remove the plank from mine. Stop worrying about if somebody else is producing fruit. If they're not, you know they're not connected to the vine. Pray for them. Help them get connected back to the, to the source. And if they don't want to, then move on. It breaks my heart when someone walks away from Christ, but God gave you the ability to choose. I'm not going to beg you to take him. I'm going to hope and pray and go, oh my gosh, your life will be so much better. There's so much more peace. There's so much more hope. I'm going to keep a hand out extended for you. But if you don't want him, I'm going to keep that hand open, the door open, but I'm going to start asking who else wants it. Why? The fruit has to be growing in me. It's got to be growing in me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. What are they tasting? The fruit of Him growing in your life. We have to produce what the Spirit of God says we produce, not out of discipline. That don't work. It should be naturally flowing out of us. And when that fruit begins to grow, our new default position is no longer anger or punching somebody or getting frustrated. Our default position is to go, that's okay, to give grace, to choose joy. We are bearing the fruit and it should first be realized by us. Thank God I'm still connected to the vine. Thank God that I remained abiding with him and he remains abiding with me. We should choose joy because the longer we abide with Him, the more we become like Him, and the more we're like Him, the more fruit will grow in us. It's got to grow in us. The last thing that we'll go over as we wrap up here today is something that, man, I, I was, when I was doing my study, this is one of those things where I had to go, oh, it got me. The last verse is this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This hit me hard because Jesus is saying, I want my joy in you. And when we have His joy realized in our life, then our joy is made full. Your joy is right here, but His joy will overrun you. It's going to spill out of you. It's going to come out of your mouth. It's going to come out of your actions. It's going to come out of your decisions because it's not your joy, it's His joy. And when His joy is in us, our joy can be full. We can't discipline ourselves into growing joy. 
We can't put a plan together with 10 steps of success that would lead us to a successful, joyful life. We can't whip up some ingredients like a really good brownie recipe that I found last week. It's awesome. And make that and whip it up and then produce joy. No, that's not how it works. We abide in Jesus. We stay connected to the vine. We allowed Him to prove away anything He sees fit. And when we do, the fruit grows and we prove that we are His. And when we prove that we are His, His own word says at that point, He wants all of that to happen so His joy will be realized in us and our joy will be made full. This means every time I choose joy, I default to a joy I can't get on my own. I can't produce by myself and I can't make without Him. When I choose joy, what I'm really choosing is Jesus. If I'm choosing joy, what I'm really choosing is Him. I'm choosing Him over everything else. I want Him more than anything else. My appetites change. My affection changes. The things I used to do, I look at and turn away from because I'm now connected to the vine. He has made us one with Him. And His Spirit, His goodness is now flowing in us. When I'm choosing joy, I'm choosing Him. And what He has produced as the vine and the vine dresser and this little bitty branch's life. Why would He even care? How many more branches does He have out there that He can produce fruit from, but yet He still takes the time to deal with this knucklehead who can't get it right? He still has patience with me. And as He has patience with me, I learn by His example to be patient with others. And when I'm connected to Him, and His Spirit flows through me, that joy is going to grow. If you say, Matt, I, that joy is not really growing in me, I have a question. You connected to the vine? You talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. How do I learn these things? Uh, go back to His Word and pray and watch these things develop in you much like the man I just talked to you about, Zach. It may not be as instantaneous as that, but you're going to start realizing the longer you spend with Him, the more you're connected with Him, the more His goodness flows through you, that you're going to default to different positions you're going to no longer default as much to selfishness. You're going to default to selflessness. And what that's going to mean is you love Him and you love people and you're filling, fulfilling His commandments and His joy is going to be in you and your joy will be made full. I choose joy because He takes things away. Because I'm connected to the vine and I abide in Him.